0: Thank you for calling Gaywire. Your call is very important to us. Press one for fourth wave feminism. Press two for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press three for- You have chosen option three. Please stay on the line.
1: Hello, my friends. Thank you for choosing option three. This is Artemis Peasley, she, her, coming to you from Treaty 6 and Region 4 of the Métis Nation, broadcasting out of the U of A on CGSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton. You're listening to Gaywire. Been a while since we've heard from each other, but... I won't dwell on that. You'll hear from me soon, very soon, my friend. Quick sum up of the episode ahead that you're gonna hear. It's for a play called The Immaculate Beauty of Bleeding and <coughs> In the gender neutral bathroom of a upper middle class high school with Daniel Halpern, Alden Belmont, and Monica Gate quick content warning we talk about a lot of stuff here there's a lot of swearing if you're listening to this on the radio i'll censor the swearing if you're listening to this on the podcast (laughs) i won't be censoring the swearing um have fun and you'll hear from me soon i hope love you guys Hello, all. If you could say your first name, last name, and then pronouns for our uh, listening audience here.
2: Hi, my name is Daniel Halpern. Um, My pronouns are primarily they, them. Sometimes you, yours, when I'm feeling spicy.
3: I am Alden Belmont, uh, and my pronouns are she, her. Hello,
0: my name is Monica Gate, and my pronouns are she, her.
1: Excellent. And so you guys are all in the play. I have the full title here somewhere. One second. I don't want to get this wrong. You, you guys are all on uh, the immaculate perfection of bleeding ah. in the gender neutral bathroom of an upper middle class high school. Nailed it. What are all your guys' roles in, in this play?
3: Ooh, hoo, hoo. Uh, <laughs> uh, I play Nat. Um, I, uh, am the, if, if you've read the play description, I am the trans girl that does in fact immaculately conceive, which is super fun.
0: I play Minnie, whose pronouns are also she, her. She is the lovely little drug dealer in the school. She is always up to
2: mischief and she's a, a real
0: kooky character in this story.
2: I'm not in it, but I'm happy to be a part of the process. I wrote it that's that's what I do i i I wrote it, and now y'all are acting in it, and that's so exciting to me and lovely and y'all are lovely
1: uh, and you know that title I have to talk about it some more how did that's such it's just such a good title it doesn't roll off the tongue whatsoever but it still sticks in your mind so ever so pungently how did how did you come up with it
2: i I feel like i'm like practiced enough where like i can get it to roll off my tongue like the immaculate perfection of Ah. in the gender neutral bathroom of an upper middle class high school um and as we say in the rehearsal space the real and Bleeding is the friends we make along the way. Um, uh, it was always a working title. And then uh, the director, who's been a tremendous help and support throughout the process, um, said to me, at a certain point, you're going to need an actual title and not just a working title. And I've been so long with that title that we all kind of got used to it and it didn't feel right to change it
1: were there any other contenders for the title? No. Whoa. Got it right on the first time. That's pretty impressive.
3: That was actually one of the things that sold me on taking the role or at least like drew me to audition was was seeing the title because I'm a big fan of the work of Hunter S. Thompson like which a huge portion of which is just like you know like four complete sentences connected with like semicolons like as the as the title of one singular article and i was like if this is indicative of the rest of the show i'm i'm in
1: and, and from what I can tell Daniel you're like a very clever and sharp writer from what from what I can tell just like I, I read through all of like the like character bios and all of uh, all of like the uh, crew bios as well on the Facebook page and I, I just really love your writing style can you tell uh, our audience a little bit about that
2: Oh uh, sure I, I should say the bios were uh for the most part, the actors came up with their own bios, the crew came up with their own bios. Um, But for me, when I write, I like to leave as much space as I can for other people's interpretation. Um, So yeah, not much punctuation. Um, um, And I'm very, I'm working on taking compliments more. So thank you, that's very kind of you to say. But um, no, the, the bios are, are, I have the incredibly talented and intelligent and kind uh, casting crew to thank for those. And, and so um, can you tell us a little bit
1: about the story of the play? Obviously, you know, I've, I've read the bio
2: a little bit, but, but what else is going on there? Hello. I think a lot of what is at the heart of this play is, yes, there is this central figure of Nat, uh, who Alden has bestowed so much life and depth to, but I think like a lot of the world of the play is built up around her, around you, um, as it's every character in their own way sort of wrestling with and dealing with questions of their own queer identity in the face of yeah, this divine intervention.
1: This is very well put. And uh, where where did the idea come from? This and like um, has your cast and crew at all like shaped the way that this uh, that this story has formed?
2: Um, yeah, ab- absolutely, they have. The impetus for this play was I was thinking through my favorite playwright, uh, Young Jean Lee, wonderful, wonderful playwright. Would not recommend her work enough her writing process often begins with her brainstorming uh, what is the last play she would ever want to write and then forces herself to write it and up until a point everything that I wrote was this is going to sound reductive but was fundamentally about grief and writing about it made it tangible in a way that I could actually interact with it meaningfully so it wasn't just kind of sitting in my chest And I think the thing that I wanted to investigate the least was this community that really helped shape me at a very impressionable age and reflecting on the the certain like insidious aspects that would flare up here and there because it's a community that I really held and hold in such a high and sentimental regard. So just... Thinking about that, I thinking about Young Jin Lee's writing process, I really want to investigate something that always felt off limits to me in my own writing and to your other question, with, without a da- doubt, um, all the actors have shaped the characters in a way that I, I can't put into words. It, I was open, I said from the get-go that since this is the first time that this play is being performed uh, with bodies on a stage, that the script is in essence a living document and there have been a lot of like conversations about things that don't feel natural or right in specific moments uh, now that um the wonderful actors have taken up the roles and there's been a lot of conversations with y'all about what feels better more appropriate uh in certain moments
1: and then on that for Monica and Alden uh, how old are you guys and how long you've been acting for I'm gonna I'm gonna let Monica go first <laughs> I
0: always just want to be overly polite in a zoom interview and then I just sit there staring at people yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I myself am am 20 I acted all through school did all the arts and everything worked my way towards nursing and then dropped out before I even started uh, because I realized I just could not imagine myself in any other career other than the arts so I graduated when I was 17 I took a a one-year acting and musical theater intensive and in the last two years I've done over 20 shows doing typical Monica shenanigans
3: I feel like that's a hard act to follow because I so I'm I'm 22 And I actually have not acted in five years (laughs) prior to this. And this is actually my first role uh, after transitioning is the fun part. Because the last part that I played was Chad in uh, a production of All Shook Up, which is like a Elvis retelling of Twelfth Night. And (laughs) like, and the character that I I played in that was very much a hyper-masculine stereotype. And actually that show is very much about Chad struggling with bisexuality. Oh. Uh, so it's been fun to go from playing a very man's man that is struggling with like a, a sexuality issue to being like completely assured of my own identity and playing this girl that is completely assured of hers. But yeah, you know, as as David was saying, Nat is very much a figure that that affects the world around her like sort of a centerpiece entity rather than like a narrative agent in a lot of ways. So it's been anyway, it's been a fun it's been a fun shake up.
2: I'm Daniel, David is the director. David
3: is the I did I say David? Oh, I do that like every like every time. That's
2: People cool. get it so like it happens so often just two queer Jews whose names start with D. Um <laughs>
3: we've been we've been working together for how long i can't believe i did that on air (laughs) We Uh,
1: this is this is not getting cut by the way that's fair
3: that's fair i Uh, i made my bed i have to lie in it
1: and and so would you say that this role is kind of cathartic for you in in a way
3: oh definitely i think that there's a lot of elements in this show that sort of speak to the Thoughts that I had pre/slash early transition. I feel like there's, I you know, without without going into like heavy spoilers, there are some very good, you know, emotional beats that I get to sort of hit with the cast, and it's weird because I would have killed to have someone like Nat in my life. I feel like like just in in beginning uh, transitioning, but it's it's just kind of funny to play someone that is so self-assured because it really does feel like a like a fake it till you make it situation in mm-hmm. some ways like I, and I don't think that I'm as confident as Nat but I feel like that there's a lot of myself or what I would like to be injected into Nat.
1: And then Monica can you tell us a bit about your character as well?
3: I remember when
0: I first saw the audition posting for the show after it took me 15 minutes to read through the title I saw this description of Minnie's character and I've always, I've never gotten to play a villain. And I've I've never gotten to play anyone that wasn't a perfect, innocent little girl. And I saw Minnie. And I always, in my mind, I always referred to her as my endearing little crack whore. Uh, I, I love her character so much. And I remember reading the description and I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to apply. I can be, I can be scary. I, I can be, I can, I can. I can sell drugs, and it was uh, so amazing. Once I got into the actual audition, and I got to read her sides, and there was there was so much more to the character than I even thought. I I knew that Daniel was a amazing writer, and it it wouldn't be just a, a one sided character. But the more I've gotten to work with Minnie the more I have just fell in love with who she is in the story and how she is used um as kind of like a a game piece for the other characters to get them through their own journeys we're in you know the we just finished our fourth fourth week of rehearsal or or fifth or something I don't know we're like a bunch
3: (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's week four
0: we're a, a bunch of the way through our rehearsal process and the writing is just so freaking good all of us are still stumped in these moments throughout the day where we'll we'll find another beautiful little gem in the script and we keep having these conversations where we'll be like oh my god i can't wait to find out how the next cast of this show interprets this moment and oh my gosh i can't wait to see you what other people do with this moving forward because there's just there's so much to work with and it's that show that everybody has to see at once but you keep coming back because you you get a new little yummy tidbit of knowledge each time it's it's just gorgeous oh I love it it's so good oh but about my character yes love Minnie she's an absolute hoot to play. She brings me a lot of joy. It, it stressed me out initially when I got more comfortable with the character and I, I dove it deeper into who she was and I got to see more similarities between her and myself than I expected. And then I was like, do I do drugs? No, I don't do drugs. But yeah, she's a-
1: uh, Nerd. I
3: Love
0: her. They're just flawlessly written characters.
1: I'm touching on something that you said there. <clears throat> How does it feel, and this is for all of you, uh, having this be the world premiere of this show, being the first cast to ever do this, being the first time that this will ever be done on on stage?
3: I'm amped as hell to be a footnote on Wikipedia, for sure. Um, <laughs> finger, fingers crossed that I get to be in the in the appendices of of Daniel's Wikipedia page as <laughs> the girl that originated that.
0: I think it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's, it's pretty rare to do that period to be the first cast of a show, but I think it's even more rare to get to be the first cast of a future famous show. I have no doubt in my mind that this is going to be a huge production at some point because what sweet baby Daniel is just so talented at everything and we have such a strong team and it has been absolutely beautiful to see not only the cast but the actual crew adding their own stamp on little things all the way through the production like day one we walked in the doors we all sat around a, a big table and we did our table read and it was just There was such a sense of community in the room, like everyone already knew each other. Why are my eyes watering right now? Inna! Uh. Anyways, this
3: is going to be great and you should really come see it. I feel like we've come so far from that table read too, because I feel like I completely misread, like I would venture to say almost all of the of the core cast. But, like, as we've gotten to to grow together, it like it really does feel like we are a like we're collectively getting to you know like it, it really is like a sum like more than the sum of its parts situation, in that I feel like I wouldn't be able to put my individual stamp on my own character, much less like the show at large without everybody else doing the same thing. And I feel like it's a very fun, it does feel like a like a adolescent sort of high school energy in that like we're all experiencing something and looking forward to the same thing and and trying to contribute.
2: I can't say enough wonderful words about the cast and crew and everyone. It's been such a like heartening, heartening experience. And yeah, I, I'm filled with gratitude and it's at a point where I'm so excited and nervous for, for the uh, premiere of the show when we open in like a week and a half or yesterday, if you're listening to this, the day this comes out, I think, I believe. I'm, Man, I'm... that
3: first showing was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we crushed it. It was so good. You guys should say it.
2: It's an intensely personal piece. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to just like vomit all this trauma onto an audience. It's a personal piece. So I have so much love for, I don't know, everyone giving me that space and taking up the mantle and it's at a point where i think since day one i don't think i've seen this as my play anymore like it was very much f- for all of you and i have felt just so lucky that i've been in, in the room to see what y'all have done with it um it, it's, it's it's a kindness that y'all have afforded me and it's it's one that i don't have the words to express how grateful i am in this moment
1: and man, this is like the sweetest interview I've ever gotten to conduct. This is just so nice to sit on. And on, uh, what can you guys say about the director David?
0: David's just a crazy little boy. I don't know who let him in that rehearsal room, but I, I'm glad they did. David has worked so adeptly with the cast and crew on this production to actually make a vision come to life and it has been just so stunning getting to see how his brain works and he's been so receptive to feedback and allowing people to be like hey I have this idea for this character or whatever and um, yeah it's been the best organized show I've ever had the
3: pleasure of working on 100%
2: and put that on my resume.
3: That's a pretty glowing endorsement all things considered. I I love I love David. I feel like the there's like a a sense of like sophisticated juvenilia to him that I like. That that was that was something that I I I feel like I said that fairly early on in rehearsal, didn't I? It, it's it's weird because there's like there's you can tell that there's like such a depth of thought and such a process, but also just like this this sense of fun like where he's willing to just like throw shit at the wall and see what sticks and i also love that like he immediately made me feel welcome in that there were very few of like the references and comparison points that i was making in the script and in my portrayal that that he didn't catch there was a line fairly early on in the show that we altered to be i suggested an alteration rather uh, for it to be a line from uh, from Blade Runner, like the Ridley Scott movie, and he was immediately like, "Oh hell yeah, do that!" Like it, like, and not not for a second did like it bounce off, or did he have to ask? He was just like, "Oh, put that in. I get that." Like, and that's something that I've I've appreciated because like I I did like a thirty five second RoboCop bit at rehearsal literally today like complete with imp- impression and soundtrack and he he took it in stride and I feel lucky to have a director that wouldn't just be like can you can you please please shut up.
2: David is probably the best most competent director I've ever had the privilege of working with. I say this not only as a as the writer on this piece but as someone who has acted for him a number number of times and as someone who does not Consider myself the strongest actor. I dabble. I dabble in everything. I do it all, babe. When Dave speaks to me about project ideas, I'm almost always just immediately down, excited to be a part of the process. He is my most trusted collaborator. We have been friends for a number of years. He's directed something I've written in the past. And he maintains this graceful balance of professionalism and levity and knowing exactly where to draw lines without people realizing that lines have been drawn and there's no director I've ever worked with where I feel like there is more of a sense of care instilled in the space
1: and yeah I was gonna say
2: but also he's a little shit
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I was gonna say you've worked with David before can you tell me about and Orchid, and also oh. other such Lilies and Lies, and also Little Death.
2: Dave and I went to high school together, but did not know each other in high school. Mm-hmm. When I was in grade 9, he was in grade 12, and I saw him in a horrible production of Romeo and Juliet that was done in Kabuki style. Uh, it was very bad. I think I was like 12 or 13 when I saw it. I didn't know who he was, but... Years later, we were both living in Halifax. We were at the same school for our undergrad and there was a kooky little uh, theater society. We were in the same audition space. We're casting from the same pool of actors, but different productions. And we were having people sing for the auditions. And every time someone came in, they would ask what song should I sing? And my immediate response when anyone asked that question was just Nazi punk's off. Um, and then no one found that endearing except for Dave, and we became pals, and then I wrote An Orchid and other such lilies and lies in the aftermath of some grief, and I brought the script to Dave, and he and I acted in it with him directing for the Toronto Fringe Festival and the Atlantic Fringe Festival, and it was not, it wasn't a great show, but I think it like really cemented our working relationship. And like, yeah, this collaborative process. Little Death was a show that I was directing right before the pandemic. Kind of forgot that Dave did the dance choreography for one scene in it. But he did, lo- he did lovely work with it. And I've acted for him in a number of instances. Recently, he did a production of The Eye where I played uh, a fascistic little pentheus. He did the, um, the play Mud. I acted in that as well. And I just a number of projects over the years and just bouncing different creative ideas off of each other.
1: Yeah. So I did some research in preparation for this. So what else have you guys worked on? And also, Alden, it makes sense that this is the first uh, play that you've worked on uh, since transitioning, because upon looking up your name, all I could find were Belmont Houses. And I'm like, this, this <laughs> is not what I'm looking for.
3: That makes me so happy. You have no idea. It's 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 fun. That's that's one of the perks that they don't tell you about transness is once you once you say okay, like once you have it figured out and you pull trigger on this, complete reset. My Rest digital light. footprint is clean. I <laughs> I could vanish if I wanted to.
1: No, like the literally the only thing that I could find about you is is this play. Good. So mysterious.
3: This is this is good. This is so good. I'm so glad that a bunch of people are going to are going to see me as Nat and then go like, "Oh, what else has she been in?" Nothing. And you'll never know. <laughs> you, you I don't know. Don't perceive me
1: as not existed prior.
3: non existed prior. exactly. I the play conjured me into existence. And I am an angel for real.
2: On that note, even though you haven't worked or you haven't acted in a number of years, like the second you left the audition room like our jaws were like on the floor behind our masks like like you are such a talent and like oh yeah oh, incredible
3: oh that's really sweet the audition was like so stressful because I wasn't expecting the like we, we were asked like about the character's taste and I, I couldn't decide between just defaulting to my own or like actually trying to put some like introspection to it because we only had a few sides and I remember like I made the comparison to the Coen brothers movie A Serious Man as well as just kind of the broader body of work that the Coens have and and I remember I saw Daniel write something down and I was like either I just blew it or I just bagged this thing <laughs> that's the first thought in my head I'm like either Either I have sunk my chances or I just got the role, which sounds like egotistical in hindsight, but I was like, that's my, that's heads or tails, heads or tails.
1: Hey guys, we had to change Zoom calls. That's why it's weird. Okay, bye.
2: Our incredible stage manager said a few days ago in rehearsal the phrase vividly wet. And that's how I feel right now.
1: Vividly uh, wet. That's that's good. I like that. I'm gonna use that now. Tomorrow I just at, washed my hands. <laughs> tomorrow at oh, St. Albert Pride, when there's gonna be 10 to 20 centimeters of rain, I believe I will be indeed be vividly wet.
2: All the power to you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. So what what other kinds of things have you guys acted in? I know all of you
2: since Monica was aggressively tooting my horn that is to say being very complimentary Mm. i will say that monica gate is probably the most talented stand-up comedian i have ever had the privilege Ah. of seeing and that's all i'll say on that monica
1: can you give us a joke
0: why would you say that to me that is the the one thing a comedian never wants to hear
1: I know, I used to do stand-up comedy in grade 7, 8, and 9, and uh, that was, yeah, worst thing ever.
0: Reading the play, I couldn't believe that, that Daniel could just so easily put their entire life on the stage. Like, that was just insane, but comedy is the, the exact same thing. Except you have to actually stand there and wait for people to laugh, which... Feels good if you're good at it. If if you're not, though, kind of no.
1: Actually, I'm glad, Daniel, that you brought this up. Monica, I think a lot about stand-up comedy as someone who has done exactly four stand-up comedy shows. Women in stand-up comedy. So I get a lot of, like, videos on Instagram and stuff. And a lot of people don't like big women stand-up comedians like amy schumer and stuff like that what do you have to say about women in stand-up comedy are they are women less funny than men that is the question
0: i think any gender or any sexuality or or any individual of any identity has just as much right to be a stand-up comedian as anybody else what i don't like to see is when people take advantage of a a certain subject matter typically something sexual Mm -hmm. or um, having to do with the LGBTQ community and they use it to be like their only personality trait Mm -hmm. that's what I don't like seeing on stage I think it does a disservice to those topics or those conflicts or those communities that's all i have to say about that with uh yeah
2: that being said i don't find the french funny
0: (laughs) that is fair no one does
2: there was a
3: like how how far in it how far into rehearsal were we when i heard you make it was either you or or liz page who was our absolutely angelic stage manager one of them one of them made like a a joke about the french and i was like man (laughs) and sorry i can't even get it out fake anti-francophone sentiment is one of my favorite genres of comedy and without missing a beat daniel immediately goes it's not it's not fake it's real i hate the french like (laughs) with their whole chest and i was like (laughs) what did i get myself into
1: uh, I would just like to say that Gaywire does not condone any and all political images yeah. that uh, interviewees may try to spread on the program.
2: I googled Gaywire when you first emailed me. No, and then no. everything that just came up was porn.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, there's a porn website called Gaywire. You have to search up oh, it's a Wire. site. DSR. Don't don't look at the images. I'm not. Don't look at the images. <laughs> Yeah, Gaywire is a port unaffiliated. We haven't been able to get in contact with them. Um,
3: I was gonna say that that sounds like a domain, like a website domain name dispute waiting to happen.
1: Yeah, no, we. That's why it's GaywireCJSR CJSR on Instagram. We have the Twitter handle though, so you know. Good. good. Anyway, going back into the the thing <laughs> that, we were, that we were doing, uh, have any of you acted on something like this before? Like, actually no, have any of you done something to this degree of this level of just absolute queerness before? Cause this is like, this is mind blowing to me. Cause this is such an incredibly relatable to me play and kind of representation that I haven't been able to see before.
0: No, I absolutely, and I say this with so much love, have never acted in something this gay. What I was talking to Daniel about at one point during the rehearsal process is that I was thanking them for writing a story that was a queer-centric story, not centered about the trauma of the individuals trying to come out. I have seen enough. I don't need to see any more of that. I find it so frustrating when it's you know you don't even see like a normal rom-com movie with a queer couple that isn't like (laughs) trying to get together and their families don't support it and everything goes wrong somebody gets hit by a bus like it's just it's insane but to have this beautiful story where we have queer characters and like it's just it's normal and nobody's looking at it wondering why that's happening and you, and you have these beautiful characters comfortable in their sexuality and portrayed as like the popular kids in the school too that's just it's it's awesome and it's so gay and so great it's it's just great gayness
3: i have also never done anything this gay like i feel like i have a lot of of gay literary you know, or theatrical aspirations. I feel like I have a lot of projects that I, that I would like to like personally develop myself that would be very, very gay. But I I don't know, on some, on some level, as much as I want to just like absolutely cannibalize every role written for a cis woman in the history of theater. Mm-hmm. Like that it's, it's, on, it's on my bucket list to scratch off as many of those like iconic roles as I can. Like I'd love to play Mary Poppins. That's mm-hmm. a joke I make a lot.
2: You'd be a great um, Mary Poppins.
3: I think I'd be really fun. And I almost feel like I would want to do it with an Irish accent, which is weird. But I think that's just the red hair. <laughs> but I, yeah, as much as I want to like, st- <laughs> I feel I feel insidious. This is the trans agenda. I'm trying to steal roles from cis women. But I also would just love for there to be more roles written specifically for trans girls and this is the first one that I have encountered in the wild, and I am really, really grateful that I get to be a part of it and, and put my stamp on it in some way, shape, or form, because it was something that I couldn't conceive of when I first came out and, and even before then when I was gender questioning and, and, and a bit confused. That was almost something that stopped me because I enjoyed performance and I enjoyed storytelling in that way, but I didn't feel like I had a lot of options or venues for that, so to... Be in Edmonton and see this. Go out for it, get it, and then meet literally just this wonderful breakfast club community, Greendale Seven of of miscellaneous of mixed nuts queers. It's been it's been fantastic.
2: You hear that, cis women? Alden's coming for you.
3: I Alden Belmont is declaring war on cis women, theatrically, theatrically.
2: Yeah, I feel like for me. I like. I'm gonna be perfectly blunt about something. I f- a few days ago uh, was struck hard briefly with this sense of concern, realizing, yeah, this is a very, very personal show. Uh, like there are bits of it that are pulled from real experience here and there, and just subjecting an audience to that is gonna be kooky as heck. But then today, I after rehearsal, um, I was walking with the director and the stage manager, and we passed by Pride Corner on White, and we stopped to do some postering briefly. And I handing a flyer to a presumably queer, presumably high school age student, and like seeing their face light up reminded me of why. I'd I wanted to do this. This is the sort of show that I would have loved to be in when I was that age. And I would have loved to, at the very least, see and feel represented. Because, yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever seen good non-binary representation before. And I'm not saying that I that's what I have here in one of the characters. I'm, but it's what I was trying for. And I just want people to be able to see themselves on stage and like give that feeling to folks because I think that's a comfort that I I wish we all had when we were youngsters that's so uh, that's
1: the heart oh my goodness uh, yeah well thank you so much for like writing this and like that, that I know that sounds like the end of the interview it's not but like thank you for writing this and like giving people like a space and stuff i can't wait to watch this and like on that point like it's really important that to have these like queer media that's the word i was looking for and do you think do any of you think we would ever reach a point where not queer people could write convincing queer characters and stories because i watched a while ago a short film called if gay was the norm and straight people were not or something like Is that, that
2: from like 2009 cuz it rings about that
1: <laughs> I was laughing my oh. ass off in my in my chair like it was so very <laughs> obvious to me that the woman and if you look at her she's like the straightest woman who's ever like walked the earth she (laughs) I, i i read like an interview with her and she was like yeah i just needed like some sort of like social issue to talk about i thought about doing like race or gender but then i thought i'll stick with sexuality i think do you think that ever we will reach a point where straight people can write convincing gay characters that do not make you want to uh, die.
3: I'm, I'm, I, I'm having trouble not giggling because is that the one where the slur for hetero people is breeder?
1: Breeders, yeah, breeders. It's breeders, yeah.
2: That's and then uh... big. Hillary Duff, don't say gay campaign vibes. Oh.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, shout and out then, to
2: Hillary Duff. Shout
1: out
3: to Hil- Shout out to Hillary Duff.
1: Shout out to Hillary Duff.
3: I'll, I'll take a stab at the question because i i I hope we get to that point but I but I there's I mean it's it's been nothing but comedy so far like it's just it's just funny as a queer person to watch these like people just swing for the fences with their entire with their whole ally heart and <laughs> like ultimately kind of miss because they're because very often they're not actually consulting queer people they're just researching yeah which i feel like is kind of a broader problem in representation is is you know research doesn't replace perspective mm-hmm. at all but you know i i saw i it was like a screenshot of a reddit post where someone was trying to write a it was a it was a guy. Trying to write a a trans femme like allegory. And there was like some bullshit with like, she's a she's a clone of, of a man, but she has all the memories of the man and 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 thinks she like it was weird and and it was completely tone-deaf. And I was like, man, this guy typed all of that out and sent it and put it into the world and was like, trans girls, what do you think of this? And I I assume it was a massacre. But like I I I think that the I think that people are trying it all is great and it's very encouraging. I just hope that at a certain point there's widespread acceptance and normalization that will sort of facilitate better portrayals you know, out, outside of those, those people with those identity labels. But I don't necessarily know if it's going to be anytime soon and it might not even be in my lifetime. Maybe that's a jaded thing to say.
2: Yeah, I feel like anyone could write queer characters even though if they're not queer, even if they're not queer. I think what it comes down to though is if that's all they're reduced to, then I think that's a failure. If like, it starts out with just this idea of like, ooh, I'm going to write a queer character and not really having any more like meat to it that, like having just that as the entire personality, I think, oh don't know, I think like fundamentally, like characters don't really need to be labeled unless it is like integral to that character. Like without... Boiling anything. Like, there is one character in this play who could, in certain readings, be read as straight. Personally, I have never thought of that character as straight, but it's the sort of thing where, like, I like it because they're more than just their gender and sexuality. Like, all of the characters are in this play, or that's my hope, at least.
0: I'm not going to say straight people can't write a queer character. I think that limiting people to what they can and cannot write and create in the artistic world is a whole problem in and of itself. Yeah. What I will say, though, is that I don't think it's their story to tell. I think that we should be doing everything we can to give the resources to those to create who have that lived experience. I think that before we decide who can and and can't write what kind of character and make what type of art, I think we should be focusing on making sure that in 2022, we don't still have hate crimes happening throughout the world. I, I, I absolutely believe that art 99% of the time is at the the heart of change and that art is what fixes things and gets people to speak up about things but I think there are bigger things going on at the
1: moment. I just uh, got my passport renewed just the other day. It's, it expires in 2032. And my dad said to me, you know, the world will be a very different place in 2032. And I guess if you look back at 2012, it is a very different place. Was gay marriage even legalized in the United States in 2012? It was what what year was that? I don't
2: think 2015 or 16, but I could.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 2016. I was pretty sure. And yeah, so 2032, that's like a lifetime away, you know? That's like, there's so much, so much to happen. So, where do you guys think you will be in 10 years? And uh, where do you think this play will be in 10 years?
0: Okay, I see myself being 30 in 10 years. I am hoping to secretly follow Daniel around for many many years after this is done so that I can get some expert assistance on writing some of my own work I feel like there are so many artists out there that are like oh yeah I have this show kicking around in my head oh yeah there's a story that I want to tell and they just never take those first steps but Daniel inspires me to be a better artist every day and the lovely little goobers that I have met doing this show have just brought me so much joy and I think I, I mean I know just in my like junior high years to now so much has already changed in the queer community in such a, a heartwarming way but there's also still so much work to be done but I think we're finally at that point where it's exponential growth and it's less of that, oh, yay, two steps forward, five steps backwards, you know? So I, I don't want to say what I think the queer community is going to look like in 10 years because it's more exciting to me to just
3: just dream about it. I think it's going to be a cool little space. A decade is like a long time because I, I it's funny I have like the first uh bank card that I ever got I still like held on to it and it expired like a week ago and I've had you know and I've I have like other I've had other cards since but like I remember looking at the date like June whatever 2022 and going that's not a real year and that was like like when I got my learner's permit right so I feel like I have no idea. And I would never conceive, like I feel, I was gender questioning at the time, but completely closeted. You know, I wouldn't have told like a soul, but now I see myself now and I am like, oh my God, like I I never could have conceived that this was possible for me and to be this happy. Uh, So I think 10 years from now, I'm probably gonna be even happier. I would say I want to, I want to publish more work I'm currently working on a couple of novel manuscripts that uh, I've been shopping around, which have been fun. Uh, I did a little bit of journalism pre-transition. I'd like to get back into that. I kind of like to remain a Jane of all trades in a lot of ways. Yeah, I want to do. I want to do a little bit more of everything. I want to do more theater. I want to do more writing. But in ter- like in terms, of the, the part of the question was in where, where do I see yeah. this play in ten years? Yeah. Uh, I'm positive that this will not be the only production of it. I think this is going to be staged many more times, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my little Oracle of Delphi hat for a minute and wager that Hunter Schaefer will more than likely play Nat at some point. And I want to see I want to see fights on online message boards about how the actress that originated the role was hotter. <laughs> The, the vapid starlet in me wants to uh is, is calling my shot Babe Ruth style
1: I can't wait for that to happen honestly that's the goal
2: it's funny that you're saying you can't conceive because that's exactly what you do in this kooky little show oh boo. <laughs> 10 years ago I was I was thinking about this when you asked oh 10 years from now and I was like what was 10 years ago and then my mind immediately went, oh, your bar mitzvah. And I was like, oh, weird that 10 years ago, I became a man in the eyes of God, but I'm non-binary. So God clearly doesn't know shit. I don't know where I see myself in 10 years. I definitely see myself writing. Writing has always been a huge part of my life. But yes, yeah, similar to Alden, I take so much joy in dabbling because I feel like if I ever stick with like one thing or one type of writing, I worry that I'll get stagnant and bored and I feel like I've spent the past however many years just like really burning the candle at both ends like I was speaking to one of the actors in the show and they were like very caught off guard and it reminded me that this is not a normal thing that I am 23 and almost done a master's and I'm I'm tired um I want to just kind of be a person for a bit I don't think I'll just want to be a person for 10 years. Well, I will, but I will also want to have other things layered onto that. But yeah, definitely like still working in theater, doing playwriting. But also I I do find myself often in like academic circles. I spoke last summer at uh, the Association for Theater and Higher Education. I, I presented a paper about like the relationship between like puppetry and grief which is was also a very like personal piece in a different way that like this piece is and I think a lot of what I want to do is like trying to like maintain that balance between my bullshit classes, academic side of theater and like work to make that more accessible and work to make representation more readily apparent within that space because it's so exclusionary and cruel but also keep working as a playwright because I think there's nothing that has helped me better understand myself than being able to do that, and that's a gift. And again, I'm so grateful to have been able to learn so much through these talented, talented actors like Monica Gate and Alden Belmont. It pisses me off so much that's Gate singular, not Gates. And where will this play be in ten years? What do I know? I I'm just here along for the ride, and whatever happens, happens, and I'm excited for the future that this show might have but also i'm so grateful for the present that's currently in um, and
1: what advice do you guys have for young queer people in in this day and age i i don't know if you guys, i'm 17 so i'm like the key demographic for this play and i feel very touched and like a personally. Uh, what do you guys have to say to people out there who want to write, who want to act, who want to put on a show, want to do anything, and uh, just don't know what to do, where to start, and maybe you're struggling?
0: I would tell them that there is a overwhelmingly large community of people out there who will love and support you to the ends of the world, and to get out and take a chance on your work, you will find those people and you will work with those people for many, many years to come and they will have a very, very special place in your heart
3: forever. It's such a heavy question. Like I'm not really sure where to start. I I guess my, my number one is I am ride or die for the fact that there are no new ideas. I'm a big believer that everything is just a little bit of something else. And it's the combinations that we make out of those influences, both in our own lives and the other you know, texts that we've experienced. I think we reconstitute those into stories and, and mediums that mean something to us. And I guess, I think my advice for queer creatives is don't discount what you love and don't discount the opinions you have on it. Because if you explore those for long enough, you will create something or become a part of something that will teach you more about yourself and also put a lot of good into the world. I think that everybody kind of has a, it's, it's corny to say, you know, everybody has a story in them or everybody has a, and everybody has a responsibility to tell that story, but like believe in your own voice and, and don't assume that, your voice is unwelcome because it really it never is.
2: Yeah, what Alden said about there being no original ideas, I think it's time for me to come clean that this whole play is directly an adaptation of Scooby-Doo Cyber Chase. <laughs> best Scooby-Doo movie.
3: Oh, it's pretty good.
2: <laughs> it, it isn't. Don't believe me, I lie. It's called a theater. Listen, theater. The,
3: the, the, the baseball scene from Scooby-Doo Cyber Chase. And coincidentally, the baseball scene from Twilight invented cinema. So it's fine. You you have to take after the great masterworks.
2: I think my like genuine piece of advice is a weird amalgam of what Monica and Alden said of I think it's just about finding people you trust. Cause I think trust is something that is much more easily said than done. And I think like when you actually find that, like it's different and you'll feel it and there will be trial and error and it'll be like painful but i think one day you'll get that with people and i think that helps develop your voice because it's people you can feel safe with and also don't write shit because you think it's going to be good write it because you want to write it right write it because it's important yeah. to you And if it's important to you, it'll probably be important to someone else. The greater majority of what I write, I don't write it with, like, there might be like, ooh, some abstract audience in mind, but I don't write it for like a specific demographic or people. I write it from myself. And then I have a few plays that I know I will never do anything with just because I've had people read them. They don't like them. That's fine. Because it was just like little things for me. It's stuff that when people don't like those things, it's not a reflection of me as an artist or us as artists. It's very much this piece is too insular. And I think that goes hand in hand and with the trust thing of like, think everyone will, if you keep at it, you'll find that balance of like, this is what is important to me. And also something that I can allow people into and still feel held.
1: I like that. Okay, speed round. Where can people watch the show? When, can people, when will people watch the show? It, it's, if, if you're listening right now, like run to the play right now. And why should people watch the show?
2: Fringe, Arts Barn, Studio Theater, June 29th to July 9th, with the exception of the Tuesday, two-show Saturday, Saturday matinees, sensory-friendly performances. I think you'll, people should come out to see the show just because everyone involved has put so much love and tenderness into this show and i think i i know fundamentally that there will be something in this play that might help you feel supported in a new way or less alone and yeah
0: regardless of any gender or sexual identity there is something in this production for you you have to see it
1: Thank you guys so much for coming on to this. Thank you so much. This has been one of the best interviews I've had in a long while. You guys are great. I'll see you at your performance, more than likely. Here's hoping. And that is all the time we have for today. Gaywire is a production of CGSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory, and Region 4 of the Métis Nation. We acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries, including, but not limited to, the Cree, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. We recognize that colonialism is an ongoing and active violence, and encourage you to reflect on your own relationship to colonialism. And what accountability and growth look like for you and your communities. Give what you can and learn even more. Thank you to our guests, Daniel Halpern, Monica Gate, Alden Belmont, and make sure to check out their show, "The Immaculate Beauty of Bleeding and Fucking in the Upper in the Gender Neutral Bathroom of an Upper Middle Class High School." Coming to you now. Go watch it. Today's show was produced by Joe Victor Krieger. Ash linda terrence adams Liv mcrabby Afua asante and myself artemis peasley follow gaywire and apple podcasts or wherever you download podcasts you can find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm and on facebook and twitter at gaywire or at gaywirecjsr on instagram and tiktok let us know what you think of the show hit up the DM sometimes, or if you'd rather be fancy, you can also email gaywire at cgsr.com and you never know, you might just get to be a part of the show. Our artwork is done by Travis Erickson, original music by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. Until next week, keep it breezy and... Please stay on the
0: line.